Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. It's January 12th. I'm your host, Gabriella Silva-Ponte. Happy New Year, everyone! Today, we'll be covering stories from an elementary school's announcement regarding racial slurs, to the Nature of Things' new co-host, to the Contessa Avant-Garde Hairstylist Award winner. As always, let's first take a look at today's top news, as reported by Sharanki Kalantharasa. It is Friday, January 12th, and I'm your host, Sharanki Kalantharasa, reporting for Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. And here are our top stories from today. A contractor who is accused of defrauding Ontario cottage owners pleads guilty to 7 of 13 charges. A Peterborough store clerk is charged with aggravated assault after a possible robber was hit with a baseball bat. And lastly, an elementary school warns parents about students' racial slurs. So let's get into it. For the first headline, a contractor accused of defrauding Ontario cottage owners pleads guilty to 7 of 13 charges. The 54-year-old contractor from Aurelia pleaded guilty to some of the charges that were laid against him for taking thousands of dollars from cottage owners but not completing the work to a major extent and leaving it. The name of the contractor is Scott Eisman. According to CBC News, an agreement was reached about Eisman pleading guilty to some of the charges before his scheduled trial for five days. Eisman declined requests from the media regarding questions, but his defense lawyer told CBC News that he decided to, quote, take responsibility for everything that went in on the past, end quote. In fact, it is not the first time the 54-year-old contractor has been convicted of such an issue. He was arrested in 2014 for two years after deceiving a 92-year-old blind woman, but he started business with another name shortly after. The five-day trial is still in place. For the second headline, a Peterborough store clerk charged with aggravated assault after a possible robber was allegedly hit with a baseball bat. A Peterborough store clerk allegedly used a baseball bat to hit a possible robber of his store and was charged for this. Police were called on site at King Street and Bathan Street around 2.30 a.m. on January 5th, according to CBC News. Police told CBC News that they believed the clerk was struck by the possible robber to which the clerk grabbed the bat. When the suspect ran, the clerk allegedly followed the suspect and hit him several times with the bat. An arrest warrant was applied to the 37-year-old man who attempted the robbery along with charges. However, the 22-year-old clerk from Peterborough was also arrested with aggravated assault. Chief Stuart Betts, Peterborough policeman, 
issued a statement outlining that despite it being uncommon and unusual, security footage proved this happened and also that this has nothing to do with politics or race. And for our last story, an elementary school warns parents about kids using racial slurs. Cannot Public School in Hintonburg, Ottawa issued a statement in their newsletter that students at the school use the slurs on others before the winter break and that this incident occurred two times. According to CBC News, some parents spoke to the news outlets outside of the school and said that they will be speaking to their kids about this issue. That was it for the news, and let's take a look at the weather for the rest of the week. Well, the new year started off really well with snow. In fact, many people were able to enjoy the fireworks while it was snowing as well. For Friday, today's weather is quite windy with precipitation rates at 5%, humidity rates at 83%, and winds going up to 48 kilometers per hour. Today's average temperature is 3 degrees Celsius. Tomorrow, Saturday, we can expect some rain and snow with an average temperature of 2 degrees Celsius, precipitation rates at 40%, humidity rates at 76%, and winds still staying at 48 kilometers per hour. On Sunday, we can expect back temperatures to drop to negative 5 degrees Celsius, with the weather being described as sunny and slightly windy, precipitation rate at 5%, humidity rate at 69%, and winds 42 kilometers per hour. With this, let's wrap up our news. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. It is Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Sharanki Thanks for listening. Thanks, Sharanki. Again, that was Sharanki Kalantharasa. CBC documentary show The Nature of Things is getting a new co-host. Previously hosted by David Suzuki, daughter Sarika Kulis Suzuki will now be co-hosting the show. I spoke with her regarding where her love for nature stems from and what her biggest accomplishments as a marine biologist are. Yeah, well, I was thinking about this and how I got into science is actually through the ocean. So ever since I was a little kid, I was just obsessed with the ocean. I actually learned how to snorkel before I could swim because I just kept my head underwater and I couldn't breathe. So my mom would just put a snorkel on my face. I just was always drawn to the sea. And so by the time it was time to go to college, I, I wanted to continue on in marine biology. And this was a really great time because I got to start conducting my own underwater experiments and I really fell in love with it and I got to go scuba diving and then I went straight into my master's the same month I finished my undergrad I went straight into my master's and I 
This is when I started looking at the global impacts of fishing and things kind of changed for me. Everything became really, really depressing because I could just see from every angle how stressed out our oceans are. And even in the furthest corners of the world, our planet, our oceans, they've been impacted by humans. So I, I did some uh, a lot of research there. I got to present it to the United Nations headquarters, which I found really important. But when I continued to do my PhD, I knew that I needed to do something back in the ocean to bring me back to that passion in the first place. So I came back home to the west coast of BC and I started looking at a singing fish. So there is a, a fish up and down the coast here that actually the males will sing to the females to get them to come and mate with them. It's such a beautiful story and the song is so incredible. You can actually go down as a human and walk to the shore and hear the voices of these fish resonating out of the sea and into the air. So very, very cool. But the whole time I was doing science, I was also doing communication. And towards the end of my last degree, I realized that the urgency of the ecological crisis was just something that I had to be tackling full on, head on. And I didn't feel like I could do that through science. I needed to do something that was more immediate. And so at that point, I realized that I needed to step away and to focus on communication. So it was really unbelievable timing when this position of co-host of The Nature of Things came up because I felt like it truly was marrying my big passions, which are science, the environment, and communication. Yeah, well, I think um, I think being able to contribute to the scientific body of literature uh, is really important. And I do think that being able to present the results of my findings uh, to the United Nations headquarters, to the people that were in charge of making regulations on the high seas was a big moment for me. I also wasn't expecting the pushback. Of course, they're fishing vessels, they're fishing industry. And so, you know, here I was just this little grad student telling them what my data had said. They were very angry about what I what I was saying. They did not like it at all. It got very hostile. Um, but this was a real growing moment for me is just coming face to face with industry. And uh, I realized how important it was and how important science can be in these moments because all you're doing is sharing what the data say, right? And I got the data in many parts from their own website. So it was a, a, an interesting moment. Um, I think for, for my other work, the observational data that I collected on animals was really, really important. And this is something that oftentimes is overlooked, especially when we're getting more into technology and stats and, and everything. Um, it's easy to forget that we need classic data, observational data, like Darwin data, um, because this is what all the other information hinges on. And so when you spend a lot of time in the ocean with sea creatures, you see a lot of things and those characteristics are, are really important. So doing that documentation, I find um, that was a great contribution as well. Colas Suzuki also spoke about the first episode she's co-hosting, which is entitled The Mystery of the Walking Whale. Great. Yes. The Mystery of the Walking Whale airs this Thursday, 9 p.m. Pacific time, and that is on CBC. But you can stream at any time starting on Thursday on CBC Gem, which is free. So this is a really cool doc. It's kind of like a detective story. It's it's all about the mystery of the walking whale. So I'm not giving it away because it says it in its title. It's a walking whale. But 
50 million years ago, the, the great ancestor of our current modern whale was actually a four-legged land-based creature. And if you were to see this animal, you would never look at it and say, oh, that eventually is going to be a totally marine creature that lives in the ocean and it's a whale. You just would not see that. Um, it looks like a, a small deer with a long muzzle. It has webbed toes and hooved feet, a long tail. And over time, it just spent more and more time in the ocean and adaptation started happening. So its hind legs got smaller and smaller. Its front legs turned into fins, flippers, and its nostrils started migrating from the tip of its nose back further into the top of its head. So it started to really turn into a whale. And one of the neatest things about this film was I was able to go to Egypt to Wadi Hattan, which means Valley of the Whales, in the middle of the desert. And I was able to see these skeletons right up close in person. And what you notice about them is once they're kind of displayed next to each other is you can almost see evolution in action, which is so remarkable. You can see how their skeletons change over millions of years to adapt to their environment. So they go from this strange rodent-like creature, they, they start losing their back legs, and in the end, you know, they turn into this fully aquatic whale that swims away. So it's a really beautiful story. And the neat thing is that we're able to talk to these scientists who are, as I say, they acting, they're acting like detectives and they're finding clues in their bodies to figure out how they determined that these are ancient ancestors of whales. So it's a really fun doc. Yeah, well, I'm just really hoping that we can continue on with this fantastic show. I think that it's actually more imperative than ever uh, to have the nature of things around because it's one of the only long form content science shows out there. It's the longest running science show ever. And these days, um, how we consume media and information is very fragmented and also shallow. And so to be able to be part of something that really does a deep dive, does a ton of research, makes sure everything is evidence-based, that is a real honor. And I think that our brains are craving that. So that's something that I really want to continue. And she also told me what she's most excited for about the show and how it feels to be following in her father's footsteps. Uh, you know, when I am so happy is when I am speaking to scientists in the field about stuff that they're passionate about. I, there's honestly, for me, there's nothing greater. I feel this all the time when I get to speak to people like that, how lucky I am, because first of all, you're learning things straight from the source, straight from the people who have gleaned that information themselves through hard work. And you get to share it with somebody who is so passionate and who communicates it so well because of that passion. Um, that is the most exciting thing. And the other thing is just the, the breadth, the range of topics that Anthony Morgan, my co-host and myself are being exposed to. It's just really unbelievable stuff. And I think that that's pretty great for your brain, you know, we were just filming a show on, on microplastics, and then we went straight into shooting a show on ultra-processed food. We did a show on cats and hair and, you know, prehistoric people. So you're getting to learn so much stuff, and you realize, wow, the world is just full of information. Um, so it really is such a pleasure. Because this is the first year where he hasn't been hosting, and he's been doing it since 
before I was born. So um, yeah, I think it's been an, at a family level kind of emotional because you, the show is kind of synonymous with David Suzuki. And so not hearing his voice on, on the show is strange. Um, but at the same time, of course, it is such an honor to be able to be doing what he did. And, you know, as a child, my whole life, I, I saw it from the other side when he was leaving and, and now to be in that position to, to witness what he did all those years is really um, a profound thing. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Lastly, Kola Suzuki went into detail about the importance of a show like this, especially for university students. Yeah, great question. I think that it can be difficult to get information from trusted sources or even to know what trusted sources are these days. And the nature of things, because it's been on for 60 years, it has accumulated a lot of trust and history with viewers. And that's because it has a lot of researchers behind it, making sure, corroborating the findings, making sure everything is up to date and legit. And so it's a great source for education. Um, I know it's used a lot in classrooms still to this day. So if you want to know something, you want to make sure that it has, you know, been peer reviewed and all that backed up then watch the nature of things. And the other thing is we're trying to make it very engaging, accessible and entertaining at the same time. So I really do think that it's becoming even more valuable in our current uh, media age. And I'm really excited that's, that young people are still watching it. Well, I just, I wanted to say that it's really nice to be interviewed by you, a young woman. Um, and I, I really hope that your viewers do watch The Nature of Things. I really, one of the things that I'm always amazed at are young people who come up and say, oh, I, I watch Nature Things or my daughter watches with her grandma. You know, like it really is an intergenerational show. And Anthony Morgan's show was, uh, it launched the series last Thursday. And I was watching with my six-year-olds, my nine-year-old, my 87-year-old dad, my family. And all of us enjoyed it, you know, and I was thinking, oh, this is this is kind of rare, you know, for TV to bring us together all through the generations and everybody took something away from it. So I, I am very proud of that. And I hope that um, all the listeners will will give it a shot and check it out. So as the new year has rolled in, I do think it's time for some new traditions. The final word will now have its very own sound or music break. So today's music break is actually going to be a song that I've been listening to called Blue by Kali Uchis. And that's coming on right now. I'm not broken yet. But sometimes it sure feels like it.
And once again, that was Blue by Caliucci's. Now we're going to get back into the news, which is what we're really here for. Finally, a Toronto hair salon has been honored with a prestigious Salon Magazine Award. Owner of red carpet hair salon Mamak Tabatabai and her team won the Canadian Hairstylist of the Year, also known as the Contessa's Award for Avant-Garde Hairstylist. I spoke with Tabatabai about her experience with hairstyling. Oh, I, I actually grew up in a hair salon. My mom owned a hair salon and I was a hairstylist back home in Iran and um, had a hairstyling school. So when I born after school every day, I was going to my mom's salon and I knew I'm going to be a hairstylist in future. She also described some of the challenges of owning a hair salon and why she picked the name Red Carpet Hair Salon. Oh, so many. It's just like uh, unbelievable how um, having your own business, uh, have a good time and stress time. But um, I have the salon since 2009. And believe me, I've been up and down, but mostly up. Uh, and um, yeah, it's it's great. Good experience. <laughs> You know, when you actually think about red carpet hair salon, you think about the treatment you get in red carpet hair salon, the fashion, you know, uh, beauty. That's why I picked red, red carpet hair salon. She also explained the award and what it meant to her to win it. Okay, so um, this was uh, my first time ever competing in any beauty contest. And uh, we took home first place in Contessa, uh, Contessa Avant-Garde Hairstylist Award in Canada. Our organization is Salon Magazine. Our award was on uh, November 12th, uh, and we took the first place, yes. Uh, this award uh, proved to myself and my team that an idea along with hard work, dedication, and stepping out of your comfort zone can be rewarded. It meant a lot to me. It actually uh, brought a lot more open doors for us and we are ready to take the next step at Red Carpet Hair Salon. If you're looking for a new hair salon, Taba Tabai left all the details for the Red Carpet Hair Salon. So check it out. Red Carpet Hair Salon located at uh, 1953 Avenue Road. Um, in Toronto, Ontario. Um, our phone number is 647-348-3363. Uh, we are open since 2009. Uh, over 16 years, I have the salon. We do the full service for hair. Uh, I would love to expand uh, my knowledge, my experience, my team. Uh, we are at the Red Carpet Hair Salon. We are looking for new talented at our salon, uh, we are doing a lot more. We are going a lot more for um, competition and growing the salon. And uh, this is just beginning for us.
that's our show. You've been listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabriella Silva-Ponte. This episode was put together by myself and Sharanki Galantharasa. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.